living in the part of the world that we live in and living in uh, the area that we live in, there's lots of advantages that come our way, lots of privilege that we have. And a lot of them, when we start to lose them, we kind of freak out. We've come, we, when we start to really appreciate these van- advantages, when they start to go away or we don't have them, we kind of, ah! I mean, just think about a, a week and a half ago when we thought the electricity was all going to be, you know, we thought this huge windstorm was going to be coming, we're all going to be blacked out. We're all like, ah! right? We're all freaking out about our electricity. So oftentimes we don't realize how much we use electricity, how much we depend on electricity, how much we benefit until it's gone or until the threat of it being gone. It's the same thing with Wi-Fi or internet, right? I, I truly have no idea how I ever found out information without it, right? I've completely forgotten how to find something without using Google, right? I, I went to El Salvador a couple times, or a couple year and a half ago. It was my first time there, and my data carrier, or my cell carrier at that time, didn't offer data down there. I was a mess. I was, I was like, where do we, uh, right? Think about just in terms of food. Maybe I just think about this in terms of food. Think about in terms of food and the food that you're used to. I love a guacamole bacon burger. And pretty much anywhere we go within the Seattle Linwood corridor, like a guacamole bacon burger is like five minutes away, no less, right? Like even in an emergency, you're like, there's a jack in the box nearby. I can get it, you know, like, like a guacamole bacon burger. I spent two months in Ukraine years ago. There's not a guacamole bacon burger for days. Right? These things that we're so used to, and then when they're gone, we're like, oh, man. Even think about, like, safety. Things that we take for granted in terms of basic laws that keep us from doing dumb stuff. Ten years ago, I was down in Pascagoula, Mississippi, uh, helping with some relief effort after Katrina. We're sitting at a stoplight, just, you know, waiting for our turn. Waiting at the stoplight, and all of a sudden, a truck goes by. A little pickup truck or a big pickup truck goes by, pulling a flatbed trailer. And on top of that flatbed trailer are two riding lawnmowers, and it goes flying by. Around here, it's kind of a rare sight to see anybody sitting in the bed of a pickup, right? So, you, so when you see that, you're a little bit surprised. So on that day, when that truck went by, to see those boys sitting in the back, it was a bit of surprise. When I say sitting in the back, I don't mean sitting in the back of the truck. They were actually sitting on the riding lawnmowers. We're like, Whoa! We need some laws around here, right? We don't notice those things. We don't notice the difference until they're gone. We don't notice it until it changes. And most of the time when we think about the things that we're missing and all of a sudden we know, we think about it in terms of positive things. We think about it in terms of the advantages that we have in life. We think about it, the privileges that we have. Today I want you to begin to consider a new idea. Today I want you to begin to consider this idea is that you shouldn't or don't take your limitations for granted. We don't like to think about our limitations. We don't like to celebrate what we can't do. We don't like to acknowledge the skills or abilities that we don't have. There's no section at Hallmark where you can go get a card to celebrate your failures or your mistakes or those moments when you're not good enough. Like you can't go to Hallmark for a friend and like go to that section and be like, ah, this is the perfect card, right? On your special day when you just weren't good enough right? There's not that card. You know, we, we believe that you can do anything you put your mind to. doesn't look like everybody else does, right? Like, like we don't, that's not a thing. We don't, we don't get excited about that, right? We don't tend to see the upside in our limitations. Most of the time we, we, we just, we take them for granted. We just, eh, we don't appreciate our limitations. We don't consider our struggles to be a positive situation in our life. We take them for granted. 
This morning, I want you to begin to recognize those difficulties, those troubles actually make life better. I mean, that moment when you begin to realize that you can't do everything that everybody wants you to do to the expectations and the level that everybody wants you to do those things, the moment you begin to be like, oh, I can't do that. That's a big sense of relief. You have limits. You can't do everything. You can't do everything to the expectations that they all have. I mean, the earlier that you and I understand that we can't or shouldn't try and complete everything on our own, the sooner we understand that, the sooner our life gets better. And the sooner we begin to discover the thrill of working on a team and working with other people and experiencing all that we can do when we work with others and how we can do so much more. But we, have to, we can't take our limitations for granted or we miss out on those things. So don't take your limitations for granted. In fact, I would say that there's a couple key areas of life couple key areas of life where you've got what it takes. But in order to experience that you've got what it takes to achieve those goals, to, to uncover those realities, the only way for you to experience that you've got what it takes is to embrace and celebrate your limitations. That's kind of a weird thing. Did he just tell us to ex- celebrate the things we can't do? Yeah, because when you and I don't take our limitations for granted, then we can't do all of the things that we should be able to do in life. And we're just like, oh, I, I don't have limitations. Then we end up doing less than when we recognize there's things that we can't do. In fact, I'd say that your limitations create and open up opportunities for you to discover that you've got what it takes and you've got what it takes to be convinced that Jesus is real. A part of why you can even understand that Jesus is real is when you begin to acknowledge your limitations. Because the longer you and I think, oh, I can manage life on my own. The longer you and I are like, oh, I'm smart enough. Oh, I'm wise enough. Oh, I got this. The longer we're like, well, I don't need Jesus. He might, eh, whatever. We're not even convinced he's real because we just think we got it. I mean, if we're convinced that we don't make wrong choices, that we don't ever, our limitations don't ever cause us to make choices that break relationship with other people or break relationship with God, don't separate us with God. If we don't recognize those limitations, if we don't take, if we take them for granted, we're just like, I don't need Jesus. Why would I need Jesus? But when we begin to embrace those limitations, that we do make mistakes, that we do sin, that we do need you, now we begin convinced that he's real. It's our limitations. It's our brokenness. It's our moments of failure. It's our moments of doubt. It's those circumstances in our life of desperation where we discover Jesus to be more real than many of the other situations in life. And what's so interesting is oftentimes one of our inabilities to sense that Jesus is real or sense that his presence is in our life, one of our other things that we feel like is a limitation or is a perceived inability is our ability to hear Jesus. Oftentimes, because we can't hear Jesus, we're convinced that Jesus is not real. But if we could hear him, we would begin to recognize that he is. In fact, you've got what it takes to hear from Jesus. It starts, you've got got what it takes to be convinced that he's real, but you've also got what it takes to hear from Jesus. And for some of you, when you hear somebody say, hey, you actually have what it takes to hear from Jesus. You're like, you scoff. You chuckle. You roll your eyes. You question. You doubt. You think, no way. You shake your head. You wonder. You grimace. You snicker. You say never. That's all I got. Those are all the things that a lot of you are doing, though. You're like, ah, no, I would never hear from Jesus. I would never hear from Jesus, but that's just not real. That's not the reality of it. In fact, a lot of us can hear from Jesus. All of us can hear from Jesus. And oftentimes, many of us, when we haven't heard from Jesus, we're like, what, what, what? And because we haven't heard from Jesus, we begin to think, well, 
If I haven't heard from him, he must not care about me. Or if he doesn't care about me, if I heard from maybe he just, when we weren't listening and we end up being convinced that because I can't hear from Jesus, he doesn't care. He's not wanting me to be involved. And we begin to think, oh, he's not real. But that simply isn't the reality of it. What actually is real is that you've got what it takes to be convinced that Jesus is real. And one of the strongest indicators that Jesus is real is that you have the ability to hear from him. And that's what I want you to understand today. I want you to understand that you have what it takes. You've got what it takes to hear from Jesus. And in addition to that, as you hear from Jesus, you'll be understand that he is so real. In fact, I would say for some of you, if you've never heard from Jesus, you can hear from Jesus today. You'll be able to hear from Jesus in the next 20 minutes. I want to give you some, st- some steps, some things that you can begin to do right now to begin to hear from him. And maybe you're unsure that you can. So just for a second, think about some of the people that you saw as you walked into this room. And recognize that probably 50% of the people in this room would say, yeah, I can hear from Jesus. And then begin to recognize, like, if those 50% thought they could hear from Jesus, I could, okay, I can hear from Jesus. I mean, think about it. If, if I were to tell you, I can hear Jesus, that has got to make a lot of you be like, well, if he can hear from Jesus, I can probably hear from Jesus. That's a pretty solid confirmation. When you begin to recognize that there's other people, when you begin to recognize the type of people or the actual people that have heard from Jesus, when we begin to recognize that, that should begin to create all kinds of confidence, all kinds of recognition that you've got what it takes. There's this amazing example in the back of the Bible, in the book of Acts, where we begin to recognize an individual that hears from Jesus, and when we see that he can hear from Jesus, it should give us confidence that we can. Verses are on the screen, they're in your message notes. I'll kind of walk you through this and introduce you to the guy as we go. It starts this way. It says, brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, listen to me as I offer my defense. Give you a little setup to what's going on here. Paul is a guy that's experienced dramatic transformation when he heard Jesus. And when we begin to look at his story, it should give us all kinds of hope, all kinds of confidence that you and I also can hear from him. Paul is in the middle of speaking to an angry mob. This angry mob thinks that he's out to destroy the thing that they care about most. They care most about Jewish tradition. And they think that he's trying to destroy it. And the crowd has become so upset. They're so riled up that now they've attacked Paul. They started beating on Paul. They had plans to kill Paul. In fact, it was getting so out of control, somebody called in the Roman soldiers and said, we got to stop this, there's a problem. And so the Roman soldiers come in and they're trying to calm the situation down. They're trying to back people away from Paul and they can't get it to work. So finally they pick Paul up on their shoulders and they're like carrying him out of the situation. They're trying to get him inside of the fortress so they can protect him. And this whole time the crowd is chanting as they carry Paul away, kill him, kill him, kill him. Like, what is going on? So Paul is being carried by the guards inside. And just before they go inside, Paul's like, could you set me down? I want to talk to them. Okay. And I have no idea how he does this. They're all chanting, kill him, kill him. And he's like, quiet down. I want to talk to you. So they quiet down. And he begins this process of, of explaining to this angry mob that they can hear Jesus. That they can know Jesus personally. And it's not that the Jewish tradition is wrong or that the Jewish tradition was bad. But essentially what happened is is all of those individuals, they were looking to Jewish tradition as the way to connect with God. As the means to get to God. And Paul has been preaching and telling everyone everywhere that he can get to. Listen, 
All of you can hear Jesus directly. All of you can know Jesus directly. You don't have to go through the Jewish tradition. In fact, a lot of times the Jews were like, oh, we have it, and anybody that doesn't, it, no. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. This is open to anybody. Paul's essentially saying, listen, everyone can know Jesus. Everyone can hear from Jesus. It doesn't just happen by following specific rules or jumping through the hoops of the Jewish tradition and, and what the temple is saying we have to do. Paul is basically delivering this message that is revolutionary. And Paul begins to give his defense about why he can share this revolutionary idea and how they can begin to hear from God. The story goes on. It says this. When they heard him speaking in their own tongue, the silence was even greater. Essentially, Paul stops and he starts speaking in the tongue of the people that are there. He's speaking in such a way, basically pointing out to them, listen, I'm one of you. Hey, you can relate to me. We're the same. They could hear him speak and they could go, oh, hey, this guy is... He's just like us. He's not that different than we are. When they would begin to hear his story, they would begin to say, oh, okay. So his story goes on. He says this. It says, then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia. And I was brought up and educated there in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As a student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. He's saying, listen, I'm like you guys. I'm speaking your language, but you need to know a few things about me. He's actually saying, I came, I was born in a place that's very important. From the city of Tarsus. And for them at that time to hear that somebody was from from Tarsus, there's a little bit of awe amongst the crowd. It's sort of like if you and I were talking to somebody and they're like, I was born in New York City. We're like, whoa, New York City. Which is really impressive. Unless you're a salsa. Like if you're from... Do you remember that? Get a rope, right? Now you're saying that about the joke. Anyway, the city that he was born in was very impressive. He was from an amazing place. And not only was he from an amazing place, he was educated about a matter that they cared about most. The thing that they found most important, that they cared about more than anything, was the Jewish law, the thing that guided their culture, that guided their religion. And he's like, listen, I've been trained. I know how this works. In fact, I not only know how it works, I was sold out for it just like all of you are. He's like, I wanted to honor God with everything I did and everything that I tried to do. I tried to do that. I tried to live it out. And when we begin to read the beginning of a story, we're like, oh, that sounds like a great candidate to hear God. That's a great candidate to hear Jesus. And then we keep reading and we're like, whoa, okay, maybe not. And then it says, I persecuted the followers of the way. Essentially, the way at that time was what they called anybody that was following Jesus. So he's saying, I persecuted the followers of Jesus, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. The high priest of the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from here, there to Jerusalem in chains to be persecuted. Whoa, okay, that was a turn. Paul is convinced that he was living correctly at that moment. He was so zealous about the religion that he was following, about protecting God, about protecting that religion, about protecting the Jewish tradition. He was going to do anything he could to protect it. He wasn't a follower of Jesus. He wasn't a part of the way. He was attempting to prevent followers of Jesus from following Jesus, from hearing about Jesus, from knowing Jesus. Paul was so committed to the cause that he became a murderer. He became an assassin for hire. 
and the high priests and the elders, they knew exactly what was going on. They encouraged it. They, they approved it. Here's an individual that, that was committed to stopping the spreading of the message of Jesus. Now that doesn't sound like somebody that would hear from Jesus. A guy that's killing and torturing people and preventing them from knowing about Jesus doesn't sound like somebody that will be able to hear from Jesus. And what Paul is beginning to describe in this story, and as he's looking at this, he's beginning to say, listen, it doesn't sound like I should be able to hear from Jesus, but I did. I heard from Jesus, and, and he's beginning to tell the people, you can hear from Jesus as well. He's essentially saying something, and he's about to expand on it and begin to give us evidence that you can hear Jesus speak to you through multiple ways. Now, we know when we look at the Bible, we can read that there's opportunities where Jesus speaks to people audibly. There's opportunity to read the Bible and recognize that Jesus speaks to us through the Bible. But there's other ways that Jesus speaks. And I'm convinced that Paul is beginning to demonstrate some additional ways, some ways that each of us can begin to readily right now begin to hear from Jesus. It's available to you right now. And those ways are often ways that come to you through your limitations. The things that you can't do where Jesus can begin to speak to us. And based on what we just read from Paul and what Paul is beginning to tell the crowd, you can hear Jesus speak through your past. The beginning of his defense for why he should be able to share with people why they should believe in Jesus and why he believes in Jesus and why he's going to keep going is his past. Paul's past is really ugly. We just read it. His past was about persecuting and torturing and executing followers of Jesus. If that's your past and you're sharing it with people, there should be a lot of shame with that. There's probably some humiliation that comes with that. Probably some regret. That was his story. That was how he was saying, listen, this is how I've heard from Jesus. Think about your past. Think about the way that you've lived before you knew Jesus or even in the way that you lived while you knew Jesus. My guess is that there's some humiliation and some regret. Probably some shame. My guess is that at least 80% of you in this room, as you think about your past, you're like, oh, I'm embarrassed. And the 20% that aren't, you just don't remember. (laughs) Right? But we can learn that we can hear the voice of Jesus. And one of the first places that we can begin to hear the voice of Jesus is through our past. And Paul, he's a guy, he should be wanting to get away from his past more than anybody But he's like, I'm going to let my past speak. And for Paul and for us, when we begin to look at our past, we get to see all that Jesus has said and done in our past. And for you and I, as we begin to look at our past, we might hear Jesus say, hey, you need to forgive somebody. We might hear Jesus say, you need to go ask for forgiveness. We might hear Jesus say, hey, there's a debt that you owe. You need to go get that taken care of. We might hear Jesus say, hey, listen, that place that you go and that show that you watch and your proud religious accomplishments, you need to get away from those. When we look at our past, we can celebrate the things that Jesus has done and the way that he's helped us overcome things that were holding us back. See, Satan, this individual that wants to tear us down, he wants to show up and he wants to remind us about our past and the situations and the memories and the people in our past that should be shameful and humiliating. Satan wants to come come along and say, oh, remember your past? Yeah, you're defeated. And Jesus wants to come along and say, hey, remember your past? I love you and I have power to overcome all of that. Satan wants to come along and say, you're a failure. Jesus wants to come along and say, I love you. 
I forgive you, I bring transformation to your life. And each and every one of us in the room, we've got what it takes to hear from Jesus because we just have to look at our past and the things that he's done and the ways that he's worked. So you've got what it takes to hear Jesus speak when you look at your past. You've also got what it takes to hear Jesus speak through your weaknesses. Again, none of us like to admit they're weak. We don't really want to admit it. We don't want to reveal it. It's not easy to admit our weaknesses. Paul is no stranger to weaknesses, but Paul has reached the point where he's embracing his weaknesses. He's celebrating his weaknesses because he recognized that within his weakness, he was able to hear Jesus. There's a letter that he wrote to one of the other churches. He said this, If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. Keep reading, he says later on in another verse, Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He's basically saying, listen, I heard Jesus say he would be the strength. He would be the power. He would be the force in my life. And he would be that in my weaknesses. And I would experience Jesus talk through that in my weaknesses. I mean, most of you know, we've talked about it. Like, I don't really enjoy public speaking. I don't really enjoy facing Sunday mornings. It's a weakness of mine. Right? It's not something. But in the moments of preparation, in the moments when I'm off stage, right before I come out, I get to learn and hear from Jesus more than ever. It's in those moments where I get to hear Jesus say, oh, no, you've got what it takes because I've got you. I would completely miss out on that if that wasn't my weakness, if that wasn't a part of my life. So maybe your weakness is something simple like just being kind to some certain people. Maybe there's some certain people you just struggle to be kind to them. And in that weakness, you get to hear Jesus come along in those moments where you interact with them and just say, hey, 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 you you can be kind in this moment. Maybe your weakness is just poor management of money and dollars. And and in that moment when you're trying to manage it right, you can have Jesus come along and be like, "Okay, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's think this through. Maybe your weakness is driving and not getting, or you always get angry at all of the other people that don't know how to drive well. And just to throw this out here, most of you get mad, they get mad at the drivers that don't know how to drive well. When I ride with you or follow you, you scare me. <laughs> just throwing that out there. But for the other people that don't drive well, in that weakness, when you find yourself angry and you get home, and you're like, it ruined my day. The drive home was terrible. Okay, okay. Recognize that weakness in those moments of frustration. Find it as a time to pray. Find it as an opportunity to listen to the Bible. Find a worship CD. Throw it in. Let Jesus speak to you in that weakness. Let Jesus be strong when you are weak. Let him speak to you in that moment. There's this famous guy in the Old Testament. His name is David. When we read his story, he heard from God often. Here's what he said. He said, the sacrifice you being God desires a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Being broken, being repentant, being rejected or recognizing, these are all signs of weaknesses in our life. And those admissions, God appreciates those because those are means where we're open to hearing from him. David discovered that in his weaknesses, he's able to hear from God. So let me just congratulate all of you this morning. You have a lot of weaknesses. 
and opportunities to be convinced that Jesus is both real and that Jesus wants to speak to you. As I think about my life, as I think about the lives of you that I know, we got plenty of weaknesses, ways for Jesus to speak to us. And if you're thinking, man, I don't have enough weaknesses, <laughs> just just bump the person next to you and be like, what? And they'll, they'll bring you up to speed. <laughs> but each of us, we've got what it takes to hear Jesus through our weaknesses. Also, you and I, we've got to hear we, you and I have what it takes to hear Jesus speak through your potential. If you go back and read the rest of Paul's story, and he kind of goes on and continues to tell his story in this particular passage, we begin to recognize his story, and we begin to hear in that story, Jesus comes and speaks to him audibly. And in that story, we begin to hear the process of Paul being convert, his conversion, and Jesus began to telling him, listen, I'm not only selecting you, I'm selecting you to be the person that's going to begin the process of taking the message of Jesus to all people. The message that is for all people, you're going to take it to all people. This is the guy that was once killing people following Jesus. And now he's going to be the primary catalyst to start spreading the news about Jesus? Okay, that's pretty incredible potential. So if any part of you is like, I'm not sure Jesus can do much with me. What? If Jesus could do that with Paul, if Jesus was that confident on the day that he met Paul that said, yeah, you know what, I'm going to take you from what you are doing to what we're going to do. Imagine what he can do through you. We spoke about this more in detail last week, and if you missed it, you should jump online and check it out. I heard it was pretty good. (laughs) But Jesus wants to lead us. He wants to direct us. He wants to help us overcome some obstacles that we would never think we could conquer. He wants to help you impact some lives and impact some situations that you would never dream you'd be able to influence. And that little tiny nudge to do more than you ever imagined you could do, that's Jesus speaking through your potential Paul writes to another group at another part in Scripture. He says this, Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. The beauty about your potential is that it's unique to you. See, only you have the past that you have and only you have the experience that you have and only you have the experience the skills that you have and only you have the knowledge that you have and only you have the passions that you have and only you have the time that you have and your potential and what jesus sees in you and what he wants to say through your potential you're the only one that's able to receive that message the message that jesus wants to say to you about your potential is unique to you and it's a message that you're able to accomplish infinitely more than you could ever even ask or think to ask for You've got potential and you've got what it takes to hear Jesus speak to you through your potential. And then the last way is this, is that you and I can hear Jesus speak through the actions of those around you. I was told about a group of individuals last week uh, who came to church and they noticed that all of the, uh, the benches and the banners and the stands that we've been putting outside, they recognized that those hadn't been moved outside yet. I heard about this and I just about fired the guy that forgot about it. And then I remembered it was me and so we just let it go. <laughs> made a note. Don't forget. Anyway, so there was a couple people and they noticed, hey, this wasn't done. It wasn't completed. They didn't start running around the church asking, hey, who's supposed to do that? They didn't come find me and grab me and start shaking. You didn't get your job done. As far as I know, they didn't start spreading rumors that the church is falling apart and leadership doesn't know what they're doing. 
If they did, they haven't reached me yet. And if they did, they should stop them. Here's what they did. They saw a need. They realized that it needed to be finished. They recognized that somebody else needed a hand. So they responded and they just took care of the project. They loved on me. And I'm not even sure they recognized who they were loving on. They made the experience for every single one of us that showed up at church better. They took actions when they saw something needed to be done. And those actions loved on others. And by their actions, we had a chance to hear from Jesus because their actions were how Jesus would respond. That's true of the crew that came this week. Heard we had a bunch of new chairs. By the way, when you order new chairs, they come unassembled. Didn't know that. Learn things every day. <laughs> so they showed up. They responded. Jesus responds. There was a family that saw that we were painting and painting the outside of the church that we weren't going to be able to get it all done. They're like, well, what's keeping us from getting it all done? Some dollars. They're like, okay, we'll, we'll help with that. The reason that we have new chairs is somebody said, hey, what, what are you guys dreaming about wanting to do? Man, we'd love to get new chairs. Okay, let's do it. We talk all the time about this being a generous church and so many of you are generous each and every week, each and every month and contribute and allow us to do things. It's people again and again and again demonstrating and giving them themselves to make life better for others. People loving on people they don't even know. People sharing what they have to make things positive, make things better. Jesus can speak to you and I through the actions of other people as we watch them respond and we're like, oh my goodness. That was Jesus just explaining to me that he loves me. You've got what it takes to look at the actions of those around you and recognize that Jesus wants to speak to you through those actions. Now, you're not going to be surprised by this, but Paul wrote about this as well. Here's what he said. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Jesus wants to speak through the example of others. Jesus wants to direct you and I how to live by following the patterns of other people. Jesus wants you to see how other people share their love. And then he wants us to then go out and share love. You've got what it takes to hear Jesus. To be convinced that he's real by watching other people, by seeing those that are around you. Maybe you've heard that saying. Actions speak louder than words. And usually when we say actions speak louder than words, it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to do something. So this is your chance and my chance to hear those words. We get a chance to hear those words being spoken by Jesus through the actions of others. And you've got what it takes to hear Jesus. And you've got what it takes to hear Jesus through your past and through your weaknesses and through your potential and through those that are around you. Each and every week we give you these connect cards and we just challenge you to think through what it is that God wants you to do. What is it that God is calling you to do based on what you've heard this morning? To reflect and think, what am I going to do with this? How, does this? how does this move in my life? How can I actually hear from Jesus? So we put these next steps down there and hopefully there's something that helps move you through. So maybe your next step this morning is to make a list of times Jesus was active in your past. And then listen to him in those moments. Maybe your next step is to allow yourself to be excited about your weaknesses. Maybe your next step is that this week, take the first step towards your potential. Whatever it is, if Jesus is nudging you, just take that, that next step. Don't worry about all the steps, just take the next step. 
Maybe your next step is to identify the key people that you'll allow to speak into your life. And by speak into your life, I'm talking about the people whose actions can speak into your life. Band's going to come and play one last song, but I just challenge you again. What is Jesus saying to you this morning? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you speak directly to us. And there's different ways and different things and different options that you use to speak to us. Jesus, would you help us to be open to each of those? To not limit the ways that you can speak to us. Help us to be convinced that you're real. And to utilize the opportunity to hear from you to make that happen. God, help us to embrace our limitations. Help us to celebrate our weaknesses. We ask that you begin to speak to us even this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.